Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is the first day of May. May 1st. Wow. April flew by for me. Uh, And if you are thinking about what you're going to do for the summer, gosh, I'd love to hear all about it. But before you turn your brain off for those summer months, how about getting in touch with us? You can float any financial question by me and Mark. We're both certified financial planners. All you need to do is go to jillonmoney.com and click the contact us button. When you do that, what's so cool is that you are able to essentially come to us, tell us your story, and we can actually figure out some different options for you. Now, today, Mark, there's something kind of interesting that's happening. Mortgage fees are going up. Now, Uh, This is a rule change that comes from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. You know, the deal is usually that when you get a mortgage, you get a better rate if you have a higher credit score. So like if you have a a 780 credit score and you put 20% down on a home, you're going to get the best rate. Well, these new fees are kind of opposite of that because here's what happens. The the scores that are being used for the fees are kind of flipped on their heads because costs will increase if you have a higher credit score. But if you have a lower score, fees will decrease. It may feel a little, it's almost like colleges, like you pay full boat tuition and you've got, because you have a lot of money so that people who don't have as much money can go for less. So here's the deal. You got a credit score of 750. You got a $400,000 loan, right? And uh, you're going to end up saying, wait, I have to pay more in fees? Yeah, you're going to pay 0.375% in fees up from a quarter. Now, I know that that sounds like it's not that much. It's just going to bug you. So it's like 750 bucks. Now, of course, when you're doing hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's a long-term loan, it doesn't really feel like a lot. But what you're going to do is you're going to hear about this. And when you hear about it, you're going to say like, oh my God, that stinks. It's not fair. But it's actually not that much money. 
Don't freak out. And you know what the bigger problem is? There's nothing you can do. So the fees are the fees. I guess it just means you have to work it into the calculation, but it's not like there's a way to avoid it. Anyway, uh, let's get on to you guys. Today, we are starting our work week with John from Illinois. Hello, John. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. Pleasure. What can we do for you? My youngest son graduates from high school in about two years, at which time I would like to move out of my current state to a warmer, lower tax state. Oh, I, I, I like that you say warmer. That that was the number one thing. Yes. <laughs> do you move to a warmer, lower tax state. Now, do you have a state in mind or any warm, lower tax state? We're going to start looking in Tennessee, okay. but it's not written in stone at all. So the kid's a sophomore, right? Correct. Okay. Right. And is this your only child? I have one who is launched on his own. Oh, okay. And you said a we. So who's the partner in this? I do have a partner. She does not contribute to the household income right now. Okay. What about you? Do you have a kind of job that you could take to a warmer, lower tax uh, state like Tennessee? That is my big concern. I do have a, a good career, uh, but it's not so portable. Hmm. Uh, so if I am going to do this, then I need to be prepared to make a complete reset. Okay. So John, how much do you earn right now? I make about two seventy five a year. That's great. And how old are you guys? 53. And how about um, your wife? Partner also, 53. Okay. Are you married or I said wife? I didn't mean to marry you if you weren't. You're not married. Okay. So let's talk about the 275. 275, you making a contribution to a retirement plan on that money? Yes. I'm maxing out a 401k. A traditional, right? Traditional. Okay. How much money is in the 401k? About 720,000. Great. Fantastic. Is your partner, does she have any, or, or should we not even include her numbers in this? Do you keep life separate? Like, what do you what do you do with this? We do keep life separate. I am not planning on her being able to contribute. Okay. If she does, it's a bonus. Okay, great. And so let's talk about other um, assets you might have. Do you have other um, retirement accounts that were old retirement accounts or a Roth or something else that's a uh, retirement only, I'm asking? I do. I have a traditional IRA. Mm-hmm. With about one hundred fifty-five thousand in it. I've got a Roth IRA with about twenty-two thousand in it. How about non-retirement accounts? What about a brokerage account? Any sort of plain old brokerage account? Yes, we've got brokerage accounts of about one point one million total. Whoa! There's the money. Holy mm-hmm. smokes! That's great. Is there money in the? Is the money in the brokerage account for sophomores' college education, or is there a five twenty-nine plan for that kid? There is a 529 with about 200,000 in it. Oh, killing it. That's good. What about plain old boring cash, emergency reserve, money market, that kind of stuff? Yeah, all in for checking count, emergency fund, it's about 175,000. Say that again. 375, I heard you say? One, 175. Darn, I liked mine better. (laughs) I do too. Okay, sorry. Um, And what about a home? You guys own a home together or is it in your name only? It's in my name only. How Uh, much is it worth? It's worth about 500,000. Mortgage outstanding? Got about a $385,000 mortgage, Mm -hmm. 30 year at 2.875. Oh, that's going to kill you. Right. That's going to just kill you. Okay. What about any other real estate, rental property, any funky thing floating around out there? Nope, nothing else. 
What about um, you? Do you have life insurance on your life? I do. I've got a million dollar term, which ends in about three years. Okay. And I've also got a, a whole life policy that I've had for thir- over 30 years, $350,000 death benefit and about $100,000 cash value. Hmm. I might need that cash. Okay. What is the, I mean, it's so weird to do the spending now because we, we don't know really how this is going to go down, but let's just say if you had to look at your monthly nut all in, what, what do you think you're spending right now? I'm around 8,500 a month. In your mind, if you're not, if you don't have a, a portable job, is there something in your head that you're thinking about doing where you know you could make a certain amount of money? Maybe not two seventy five, but where you could make you could hustle and make some money. Do you have a number in mind? Um, well, what I would like to do, but I don't know if I can make money at it. But obviously, is uh, is financial planning. I just find it very interesting. Oh, that's great! Are you yeah. in financial services at all right now, or not? I'm not. No. Okay, so we got two more years. And in the the current two-year time horizon, do you feel like there is like beyond the money you're putting into your retirement account, is there extra money? I mean, you built up all this money in the brokerage account. Are you saving a whole bunch of money every month right now? Yes. Yes and no. I mean, all in, not including the retirement accounts, and putting in about $3,200 a month away. That's great. Yeah. All right. But you didn't include that $3,200 a month in the monthly nut. Like that's in addition to the monthly net, right? Right. Okay, good. All right. So what happens in two years? Uh, We sell the house, right? How much is it going to cost you? you, I know you're just sort of looking now, but what do you think is the cost of buying something you'd want to live in, in a warmer, lower tax state? I'm going to guess somewhere in the $600,000 or $700,000 range. Well, how am I going up? What are you talking about? I got to pay more to be in a, a warmer, lower tax state? Getting a property and then building a place. We'd like to do something new. Uh, why do you so. can't? There's no existing home stock. All right, I'm just all right. So six hundred thousand. I'm putting you in. And are, would you think about financing it? Do you want to pay? You know, get a couple hundred down. Like you'll have money out of the house, right? So let's say it's a hundred. Let's say you have a hundred thousand in equity because it'll cost you money to sell it. Would you be thinking about using some money from the brokerage account to putting some money down? Like, would you put two hundred down? What are you thinking? Yeah, that's one of my questions about how to go about getting getting that. But I'd probably do something, you know, buy property in the next year or so, and then build the house over the next couple couple few years. So All I right. think I'd have to take some money out of the brokerage to at least buy the property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any idea what the like the raw land might cost you? Uh, I think around one hundred, two hundred, from what I'm seeing. Okay, so you would say of the brokerage account, what I need to think about is there's really only nine hundred there. Because you'd take two hundred grand out, right, and then you'd get some sort of construction loan, kind of that can turn, and hopefully rates go down and that time, and then you sell your house, and then you. So all of this is kind of like the rolling game plan, right? Right. Okay. Are we sure you cannot do your job remotely? No, it's not one hundred percent sure, but it, I just want to be prepared if, if they don't let me do it remotely. Okay. So, all right. What what would happen if I said to you, well, I don't really want you to do it at age 55. I need you to do it at 57. Like, would it be a bummer for you or would you, could you do that? I think I could do it. Okay. I just want to think, I'm just like giving myself options here. Look, this is a pretty risky proposition. Are you, are you, you know that, right? Yes. Okay. So 
I don't want to like dash your dreams. I want to be clear that if you wanted to do financial planning, have you done any of the certified financial planner coursework? Not yet. No. Mark, what's the deal with that coursework? How, how does this work? Like you, you got to do how, how, how long would it take him to like actually get the coursework under his belt and then sit for the exam? How many, what's the time horizon usually? I mean, it depends because they offer accelerated options, but you know, he's got a full-time job, so I'm not sure that's available. Uh, so I would say longest case, you're probably, you know, it's, a, it's like a two-year process. So two years, can you, do you, how do you feel about starting the CFP coursework to just like begin? Is that what you're thinking? I shouldn't, I, I assumed you wanted to do CFP, but maybe you just want to like go talk to people. And I mean, how, how committed are you to this? I think it'd be better to be a CFP. Yeah, uh, definitely. More, far more credible. Yeah. Do you think you could start doing some of that coursework over the next couple of years? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So you do, so you have to go to cfp.net. And Mark, you did it in a, did you do it self-study or you went to a class, didn't you? Yeah, I did the in-person classroom option just because I know how I work, but there are online options available. And I think there's a total of seven courses that you have to take. Okay. So you'd have to take the coursework and then here's the, 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 the good and the bad of the CFP. It's a great credential. But just because you sit for the exam and you pass the exam, you really start at the bottom of the rung when you go to a financial planning firm. So let's just pretend you're going to Tennessee. You're like, hey, I've finished my coursework. I'm sitting for the exam. I'm going to get a job. You know, like an entry level job, honestly, is like 50 grand. Then you would be, you know, working in a firm building up your income, seeing, and maybe you don't even want to like, I don't know if you, you, it would be interesting because there's, there's kind of two pathways when you think about being a financial planner. One is like, I want to be in the back office, crunching the numbers, doing the plans. I'm not sure I want facing the client inter, you know, um, interactions. Some people love the client stuff. They go out. Are you in sales by any chance? No, I'm not. Because it's like, you know, it's a super salesy business, not for everyone. But I mean, there's the pathway to make the most money as a CFP requires you to have expertise and to be a good salesperson. And not everybody has to do that. But if you're kind of doing it as like your second biz and your second career, you can have a really nice career and make some money and be fulfilled, I think. The question really is, it sort of depends how much you are willing to suck it up and, and make kind of crap money for, you know, however long you do and whether that's fulfilling or not to you. So you could be like from 55 to say 67. What's your full retirement age? 67. Do you have a social security benefit estimate for me? 3,652. So, I mean, could you make over those 12 years, 50 to 100 grand a year. I feel comfortable with that. So now what we need to figure out is how we're going. So, you, you know, you've got $8,500 a month, which it's, I mean, maybe it's going to be more than $8,500 because you're going to have this bigger home and the cost, maybe it's going to be like 10 grand a month. Like it's weird. You'll pay lower taxes, but you're going to have a bigger, you're going to have a bigger nut on your house. Right. Right. I thought maybe they would even out. Maybe. Taxes. I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to be positive and be like, yeah, it's 8,500, but I'm a little worried because who knows where mortgage rates are going to be, right? So if it's a hundred grand a year or 8,500 a month, so then we know that, you know, essentially you could create income, almost half of that, right? Because at 50, you get tax, whatever, but, and then we have to spend another 50 grand a year from your brokerage account, right? 
I would guess you're going to set, you're going to end up spending down half of your brokerage account. How do you feel about that? Over what period of time, I guess, would be the question, right? If, well, if I would say, for a while. I would say that over those 12 years, let's say 55 to 60. No, I would say that if we did, if we took 50 grand a year out for 10 or 12 years, that's what I think you're going to have to do from that brokerage account. So maybe you spend down more than that. It, it's weird because we don't know what the house part is going to be yet. And a lot of this will like blow up in your face if you spend too much on the house. Because if all of a sudden, like I'm presuming you take 200 grand out of the brokerage account, then there's 900 left. And so it'll grow a little bit, but you know, it's not going to grow a lot because we have to pull money out. Essentially, what I'm suggesting to you is that if you take out 50 grand a year, for 12 years, you know, you're going to spend at least half of that down, maybe two thirds of it down. Unless some way he's able to keep his current job and work remotely. Well, that's the, that's the, you know, fantastic scenario, but then you're not doing, he's not doing a reset. I mean, here's like, okay, you know what I would like? How did this sound? If you could keep your job or if you like stay in cold Illinois, I mean, what would be great is that for the time that you're building the property, you keep this very high paying job. And then we really have a better chance of you financing more of this instead of saving $3,200 a month and just popping it, you know, into the brokerage account, you probably are going to need to use that cash flow to be building the property, right? And using that money. So I would sort of like time-wise or, or chunks of time, I think I would say, okay, Again, you're going to search, you're going to find the best property, whatever. You're going to buy the property. You're going to say, okay, I'm going to take 200 grand out of my brokerage account. I'm going to buy this property. While I start the process of building a home, I stay in my job. I stay because you're not moving anywhere. You don't have a house. You stay where you are. You take all the money that you're saving. And it's sort of think of it as that that's like your fund for the house. And maybe you'll be able to put a little bit more money down when you're ready to actually start construction. And by the time, it's 55, 56. That's when you are really trying to determine, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to move. And then if you could work remotely, that would be great. But if you really want to go after the, the CFP, that that's when you start to really say, well, what, what kind of job could I get? And all of this is predicated on your ability to like commit to doing this. I mean, if you hate it, you, you might be like, Ugh, it sounded like a great idea. And Jill and Mark has sound like fun to hang out with, but uh, this sucks and I'm not doing it. That's also important information. I don't know. It's this is it's kind of tricky because of the house part. That's what's tricky about it. I don't want to like crush your dreams. I'm really I think it's possible. I just think you have to be incredibly careful about the cost of the home. Okay. And, and for the whole life policy, it, it would be worth talking to a insurance agent or the, wherever, wherever that I'm sure someone sold that to you a long time ago. So call the company and say to them, if I blew out of this whole life policy, would there be a tax event? Ask that question. So you don't need to cash it out now. You would cash it out when your tax bracket goes down. I think it can work. I just really think that the the house building process can get away from you. And I just want you guys to be very, very clear that if you're going to do this, you have to be careful on that side of it. That's about the only thing you can really control. Sounds like the uh, the people who were moving from Buffalo to Hawaii. Don't go crazy. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I worry about this because, um, again, we are all human beings. We've all done these like home renovation projects and you're like, oh, that costs so much more than I thought. And, and if you just think about how many decisions have to be made with a new home and every, at every turn you're faced with this, like, well, I really like those knobs better. And then you, you know, you opt for it. Right. And then all of a sudden your $600,000 house is an $800,000 house. And you could really screw yourself by blowing through that brokerage account and own the home. I get it. Um, and, but then you're left at age 58 with a lot less money and not the choice. You would not have the option to then go and take a, a career change. You really just wouldn't be able to do that. Are you bummed? Did I sap you of all that fun? I mean, you got the kid through college. You got two kids. You're in great shape. I mean, if you just stayed where you were, you'd be amazing. Everything would be great. You could probably retire when you're like 60. I mean, and there's that also. You confirmed You confirmed my thoughts. That's, that was the, the reason I reached out to begin with. All right. All right. You got your estate documents done? I do. All right. Thank you. Everyone, if you're going out and buying and building and doing all this, just remember these these projects that you're pricing out today, you know, you could have another spike in inflation. You could have a lot of things. There's so many variables. So we want to try to help guide you. So John, I wish you the best of luck. Keep us posted and let us know if you have any follow-up questions. If you, like John and his partner, are thinking about trading in a cold, high-tax state, that's where we live, Mark, cold and high-tax state, and you want to trade it in for a warmer, low-tax state, although maybe it won't be that great a trade because with climate change, it will be too warm, and the state's going to have to raise taxes to pay for all of the things they have to do to prepare for climate change. So you're taking a risk. You can move to a warmer, lower-tax state. Good luck. Have, have fun. Everyone can have fun. Mark and I are very New York based. A friend of mine just said to me, uh, I'm moving to Florida because of the taxes. I said, you could not pay me. I could not save enough in taxes to live in Florida year round. It just is like, oh, no, I love my New York. I can't help it. I was talking to someone over the weekend. We had to go to a birthday party for one of Theo's classmates. And one of the parents is like, yeah, we just came back from Houston. And it's unbelievable what you can get for your money down there. I said, yeah, but then you're in Houston, not New York. No offense. No offense. No, no shade at Houston, gang. No offense. No offense. We don't want to piss everybody off. But if you're a New Yorker and you love New York, it's hard to think about living somewhere else. Someone just said to me that New York's a hard place to live. Oh, because my friend Andrea was in from California and she's like, it's kind of like it's, it's exhilarating, but it's exhausting. It is. It's not for everybody. It's not. But if you love it, man, there's no pl better place in the world. And it is the center of the universe, as we like to say. So um, anyway, we'd love to have you come to New York and have a visit, would you please? If you've got a question, if you're looking at a reset, if you're trying to figure out where to go next, go to JillOnMoney.com, click that Contact Us button, let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. While you're on the website, don't forget to subscribe to our new service. It's called Jill on Money Live. And uh, just up over the weekend, we have brand new special content behind the paywall. It is my interview with New York Times columnist, Gina Smilek. It is a fun, fed frolic. Ooh, that's good. So check it out. Uh, you can be part of the Jill on Money live service for a whopping 35 bucks. So there's some good return on your investment. Uh, what else? Buy the book, The Great Money Reset. Sign up for the free weekly newsletter and uh, keep listening and share this podcast with people. We continue to see explosive growth in our 
podcasting universe, and we want everyone that you like to be part of it. Do me a favor, lift someone up today. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.